Thank you for listening to our Emmanuel Baptist Church podcast sermon series by Pastor Sean Cole. Emmanuel exists to display God's glory, declare God's gospel, and to disciple for God's great commission. If you have any questions about this message or would like more information about our church, you can visit our website at www.ebc-online.org. Now here's Pastor Sean. It's been a difficult past couple of years, hasn't it? With COVID, with the lockdowns, with all of the things that we've had to deal with. And this video kind of gives us hope to trust in the Lord as we start the new year. And one of the words that was quoted there was Hebrews 13.6. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? I pray 2022 is a year where you claim the promise that the Lord is your helper. The Lord is your help. What can man do to me? What can the government do to me? What can, can anything do to me? The Lord is my helper. As we think about the beginning of 2022, I want us to think about starting off the year with an attitude of obedience, wholehearted obedience to Jesus. And so what we're going to do is we'll get back to Luke next week, but I wanted us just to look this morning at Deuteronomy chapter 4. I don't know if you know this, but the book of Deuteronomy is comprised of three sermons that Moses preaches to the people. Three sermons. And the first sermon starts in chapter 1, and Moses gives a lot of background information, sermon illustrations, and then in chapter 4, he pivots and gets right to the point as he begins to tell this new generation what they need to know. Now, if you remember from your Old Testament history, there was that generation in Exodus that was disobedient. They sent the 12 spies into the land. You remember Joshua and Caleb came back and said, we can take the land. And the other uh, spies said, no, we can't. And so uh, the Lord punished them and they wandered for 40 years and they died off in the wilderness. And these are the children. This is the new generation. And they're getting ready to occupy the promised land. And so Moses, as the preacher, stands on the plains of Moab as the new generation is about ready to go into the promised land. And he preaches to this new generation a sermon of what they need to know as they go in to the land. And so the main issue for Moses is, is this new generation going to be obedient to the Lord? Or are they going to be like their parents and their grandparents and wander for 40 years because of their disobedience? So, we think about our mission as a church. Think about obedience as a church. And so let's hear Moses' words this morning from Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 1-8. through 8, And let's read this together. And now, O Israel, listen! Listen to the statutes and the rules that I'm teaching you, and do them that you may live and go in and take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you. You shall not add to the word that I command you, nor take from it that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you. Your eyes have seen what the Lord did at Baal Peor, for the Lord your God destroyed from among you all the men who followed the Baal of Peor. But you who held fast to the Lord your God are still alive today. 
See, I have taught you statutes and rules as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should do them in the land you're entering to take possession of it. Keep them and do them, for that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples, who when they hear all these statutes will say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon him? And what great nation is there that has statutes and rules so righteous as all this law that I set before you today? Verse 1, Moses pretty much gives the main point of his sermon. The main point of his sermon is listen. Listen. And I don't want to gloss over that word because in the original language, the word listen, shema, means not just let information go in one ear and out the other. It means to listen with a predetermined intention that you're going to obey what you hear. It means listen with the intention that I'm going to obey what I hear. It's a predetermination to obey. So let me ask you a question this morning. Do you have an attentiveness and readiness to hear what God is saying to you? And do you have a determination to obey that which God says to you? To listen. Another word in this passage of Scripture is also the word keep. To obey, to keep. Now it's very interesting. What did Jesus say in the Great Commission? We often just kind of gloss over the Great Commission. It becomes so much part and parcel of what we do as a church. But I want you to remember in Matthew 28, 19 and 20, Jesus says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Notice Jesus says, not just teaching them, but teaching them to observe all that he's commanded. So part of the Great Commission, part of the mission of the church, part of our mission as Christians is to teach others and ourselves to observe or obey all that God has commanded. You see, teaching is not just so you can acquire information, so that you can win Bible trivia. A lot of you want to just get information so you can win a Bible trivia contest. No, teaching should always lead to transformation. Information should always lead to transformation. You you learn so that your life will be changed. Your life will be transformed by God's Word. And so Moses here says, listen. Listen and do it. Listen and do it. Obey it. Listen to the statutes that I'm giving you. It sounds very similar to what Jesus tells us in the Great Commission. Obey all that I've commanded you. Do all that I've commanded you. Listen and do. James 1, 22-25, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Listen, obey, do, keep. All these words show up in this passage of Scripture. 
In other words, we should never have a flippant attitude toward God's Word. A careless, flippant attitude. We should always have an attitude of submission to God's Word, where we delight in obedience. The truest test of whether you love Jesus is not how you feel, but what you do. Jesus said it this way in John 14, 15. If you love me, you'll put a big bumper sticker on the back of your car of a fish, right? If you love me, you'll crank K-Love as loud as you can and let everybody else know, right? If you love me, what? You will keep my commandments. Mickey, one of our elders, read this earlier. 1 John 5, 2-3. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. For this is the love of God. Okay, what's the love of God? How do we love God? We keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. For the believer, the Holy Spirit has given us the power to obey God's commandments. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 2, verse 1 says this, Therefore we must pay much closer attention to what we've heard, lest we drift away from it. Pay attention to what you heard so that you don't drift. The image here is like a a ship that's slowly drifting out to sea, imperceptible. Sometimes we don't understand how far we've drifted from God's Word because we're not listening and we're not obeying and we're not taking to heart what God is telling us. So what is your response? What's your attitude toward God's Word? So here's the main point of Moses' sermon. The first part of his sermon here. Submission and obedience to God's word brings tremendous blessings. It's a a no-duh. When you are obedient and submissive to God's word, it will bring tremendous blessings. Now, the flip side is also true. When you disobey God and you're not submissive to his word, it'll bring catastrophe. It'll bring hard times. It'll bring difficulties. Now, Israel is on the brink of going into the promised land. And they need to know what is expected of them if they're going to be God's people in the land. And so Moses is going to lay forth the rest of the book of Deuteronomy the expectations that God has for them. But in the verse that we have before us today, verses 1 through 8, Moses gives four warnings or four issues, or you could even say four teachings about listening. To the Word of God, about obeying the Word of God. In other words, what are the benefits of obedience? Why is it a blessing to obey God? And what are the dangers if you don't obey God? So as we start 2022, I want us to be in a posture of we're going to obey what God tells us to do this year. We're going to start the year off in a posture of obedience, joyful obedience. If you love God, you'll keep His commandments. So what are these four things that Moses lays forth for them? Well, here's the first. These four issues. Here's the first. We must submit to the entirety of God's Word. We must submit to the entirety of God's Word. Notice what Moses says in verse 2. You shall not add to the word that I command you, nor take away from it that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you. 
Don't add to God's word. Don't subtract from God's word. Deuteronomy 12.32 Everything that I command you, you shall be careful to do. You shall not add to it or take from it. Guess how the Bible ends? You know the very last few verses in Revelation 22.18-19? I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. If anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. Don't add, don't subtract. The principle is very clear. We are to obey the entirety of God's word, whether we like it or not. We can't pick and choose which parts of the Bible we're going to accept. Proverbs chapter 30, verses 5 through 6. We looked at this a few weeks ago. Every word of God proves true. He's a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. Okay, this is not a newsflash. As we enter 2022, we are entering into a new year where there are going to be many Christians who will be embarrassed by God's truth. We are seeing progressive Christianity take a hold like we've never seen it take a hold before. We're seeing people fall away from the faith. We're people abandoning the faith, professing Christians. We're going to see it more and more. And so what a lot of people do is they treat the Bible like Golden Corral. Anybody ever been to Golden Corral lately? Some of you are like, I don't even know what Golden Corral is. Okay, anybody been to a cafeteria? Been to a buffet? I like this. I don't like that. I like this. And so you pick what you want, you, you avoid what you want, and you get to the end of the line, and finally you, you've created your ultimate meal based upon what you've picked and choosed. That's the way a lot of people look at the Bible. I like that part. I don't like that part. I like that part. I don't like that part. And so you pick and choose what part of the Bible you want to hold to. So for those of you that are younger that don't go to cafeterias, older people are like, I understand what you're talking about. Okay, younger people. None of you probably in, your, in the past, let's say, year have bought a CD or an album. Most people don't buy albums anymore. What do you do? You pick the song you want off Spotify or iTunes or Apple, and you create your playlist. I don't want the whole album. I want song number three on the album. And of this album, I want the other. So you create your own playlist. People are creating their own playlists with the Bible. They're saying, this is the part I like, this is the part I don't like. I'm going to add to what I like, I'm going to subtract what I don't like. And there are a lot of people that are doing that. And there are some truths out there that, frankly, a lot of Christians are embarrassed to talk about. Does the Bible really teach eternal conscious torment in a place called hell for people that don't trust in Christ? I don't like the thought of hell. I'm going to reject that. I'm going to pick and choose. Does the Bible really say that homosexuality is a sin and there's no such thing as gay marriage because marriage is literally between one man and one woman? That sounds offensive. That sounds archaic. That sounds bigoted. And we may just now get shut down off of Facebook and YouTube. So if you're watching online, be careful. Does the Bible really say that Jesus is the only way of salvation? And that those who don't trust him do go to hell. What about the sincere Buddhist? The sincere atheist? The sincere Hindu? The sincere spiritual person? 
You see, once you have the attitude that you don't like some things that the Bible teaches and you like other things, you become the authority over the Scriptures. You become the arbiter of what is truth. Instead of submitting yourself under the Scriptures, you're becoming an authority over the Scriptures. So it's very important as we enter this new year that we make a commitment now to stand strong with God's Word. Let me just say this, church family, it's going to get harder and harder. This week, there's a law that's going to affect in Canada. Our pastors and Christians to the north in Canada, next Sunday, it will become illegal for them to preach out against homosexuality, against transgender. They could be thrown in jail or fined heavy fines. There's a new law that goes into effect. So in two weeks... John MacArthur and other pastors around the country have asked pastors to use that Sunday as a way to preach on God's view of biblical sexuality in solidarity with the Canadian pastors who it's going to be illegal next week for them to preach those things. So we don't know what the year 2022 is going to hold as far as freedom of speech or things like that, but we need to make a predetermined commitment right now, church family, that regardless of what the culture says and regardless of what laws are passed, at least your pastor is going to continue preaching God's word. Now, we may be empty in here and nobody shows up, but I'm going to remain strong in God's word. And we need to have a predetermined commitment as we go forward to not add or subtract God's word, but to submit to it from Genesis to maps, as I said last week, or Genesis to Revelation. The maps aren't inspired, but Genesis to Revelation is. So that's number one. Number one, the entirety of God's word. Now here's the second thing Moses tells them. We must realize that God really does punish disobedience. Now, he refers to something in verse 3 that happened in Israel's history. Your eyes have seen what the Lord did at Baal Peor, for the Lord your God destroyed among you all the men who followed the Baal of Peor. Now, what's what's going on there? What, What happened there? This was an issue in Israel's history just a few weeks earlier, actually, in time here. Just... Back in the book of Numbers, just a few weeks before Moses preaches the sermon, the people did something grossly immoral. So I want to invite you to turn back to Numbers 25 and find out what, what he's talking about. So turn back in your Bible one book. What happened at Baal Peor? Moses says, your eyes remembered that. You, you, you saw what happened there. What happened? Well, to put it nicely, 24,000 Israelites were killed because of their sin. Numbers 25, 1-9. While Israel lived in Shittim, the people began to whore with the daughters of Moab. They invited the people to the sacrifices of their gods, and the peoples ate and bowed down to their gods. So Israel yoked himself to Baal of Peor, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And the Lord said to Moses, Take all the chiefs of the people and hang them in the sun before the Lord, that the fierce anger of the Lord may turn away from Israel. And Moses said to the judges of Israel, Each of you kill those of his men who have yoked themselves to Baal Peor. You go on and you continue to read down at the very end of verse 8. Basically, thus the plague on the people of Israel was stopped. Nevertheless, those who died 
by the plague were 24,000. It's called a plague. A plague of sexual immorality and pagan idolatry. Israel yoked themselves. Israel got themselves involved in false teaching and in sexual immorality. So much so that God punishes them. 24,000 died. Now that's Old Testament. If you, hear, hear me very carefully here. If you are a Christian, God does not punish you. Your sins have been punished on the cross and Jesus died in your place. You never fear punishment as a Christian because Christ took your punishment. Now with that being said, God does discipline those He loves. There's a difference between punishment and discipline. Punishment is deserved for those who are unbelievers. Christ took the punishment for believers. But God does discipline those He loves. Hebrews 12.6 The Lord disciplines the one He loves and chastises every son whom He receives. Now why did God have 24,000 Israelites killed? Kind of hard to wrap our minds around. We can get into the whole issue there, but let's just think about it. That would be a stark reminder to the Israelites to be repentant. I, better, I don't want to be one of those that goes into immorality or idolatry. You see, there's a kind of a false kind of repentance. There's a repentance that's kind of a, a self-pity. I don't want to get caught, and I'm sorry I got caught. I don't want to deal with the consequences type of repentance. Uh, blame shifting, it's, it's all her fault, it's all his fault. There's this kind of self-centered repentance that's not a godly repentance. Godly repentance means that you own up to your sin. You realize you've sinned against Jesus. And because you've sinned against your Lord, it drives you to your knees in tears to want to confess that and turn from that and to be humbled. And God's discipline always leads to repentance and renewed intimacy with the Lord. So number one, let's obey the entirety of God's Word. Number two, let's be repentant. When God disciplines us, when God gets our attention, let's be repentant. Let's be soft-hearted towards the Lord. But number three, we must cling tightly to the Lord as our only hope. One of my favorite Hebrew words Davak. Can you guys say that with me? Davak. That's a great Hebrew word, isn't it? That means to cling. There in verse 4. But you who davak, you who held fast to the Lord your God, are alive today. You who held fast to the Lord. That word davak, that word cling, that word hold fast, it was what was used of Adam and Eve. The most intimate of relationships. Genesis 2, 24. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and davak. You said it. Hold fast to his wife and they shall be one flesh. It's what Ruth did when, when Naomi, she clung to Naomi. She held fast. And so what, what Moses is saying here, is the, the image here is that there's a group of you that did not get involved in the idolatry there at Baal Peor, but you held fast to the Lord. You clung to the Lord. You stuck with your commitment to the Lord. 
You were clinging. You were holding on tightly. Think about all the things you cling to. All the things you hold on tight to. A job, a spouse, a career, a hobby, a sin, a bad habit, a sport. Some of these things aren't bad in and of themselves. But if your hands are tightly clung on these things, can you cling on to Jesus? Where are your hands this morning? Are your hands clinging to Jesus? Or are your hands clinging to these other things? What are you, what are you holding fast to? What are you clinging to? Are you clinging to Jesus alone? God may need to come today and pry your hands off those things you're clinging to. And that may be painful. But it may be the greatest thing that can happen to you in 2022 for God to get your hands off of those things so that you can cling to Him. Hold fast. All right, number four. Our obedience serves as a powerful testimony to a watching world. Why did God save Israel? I like the terminology display people. God saved them to be a display people so they could display God's glory to the pagan nations around them. Look at what it says there. Verse 3. See, I have taught your statutes and rules as the Lord my God commanded me that you should do them in the land that you're entering to take possession of it. Keep them and do them for you, for that will be your wisdom and your understanding and the sight of all the peoples. The pagan nations would look in on Israel and find out what God's all about. Remember Genesis 12, 3? I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. God's talking to Abraham there, but in Israel all the families of the earth will be blessed. You also find out why God chose Israel and saved Israel. Exodus 19, 5-6. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all the peoples. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people. There to be a holy nation, a kingdom of priests, a, a people that put on display who God is. Isaiah 42, 6. I am the Lord. I've called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people a light for the nations. Israel was to be a light for the nations. In other words, the other pagan nations were to look in on Israel and say, Wow, that, that nation's different. There's something special, unique about God's people. What is it? And that should be the same thing with us as God's people today. A watching world should look at our lives, should look at our church, should look at our families, and say, wow, there's something different about them. Can't quite put my finger upon it. And so sometimes a watching world will be attracted to our lives. I say sometimes. Sometimes they won't. Sometimes they'll be repelled by your life. They will mock you. They will make fun of you. But for others, they will be drawn to Christ. Paul even says this in 2 Corinthians 2, 15-16. 
For we, talking about believers, were the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved. And among those who are perishing, to one a fragrance from death to death, to the other a fragrance from life to life. Who's sufficient for these things? To some people, we're going to smell like fragrant flowers. To others, we're going to smell like a rotting corpse. You can't control it. Some people are going to be attracted to your life because of Christ. Some people are going to be repelled. Don't give them a reason to be repelled. <laughs> Look at verse 6. Moses says, Keep them and do them, for that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples, who when they hear all the statutes will say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. Israel would be an open book as to who God is. The nations would look in on Israel and say, That's, that's the God of Israel. Now, Moses gives three ways this attraction, this testimony, works itself out. When the, when the pagan nations look in on Israel, what are they supposed to see? Moses gives three things here. Number one, and, and by extension us here, God's people today, number one, the outside world will be drawn to our wisdom. Now what is wisdom? Wisdom is not just information or knowledge. Here's what wisdom is. You want to know what wisdom is in a sentence? Wisdom is the spirit-empowered ability to live out your faith in the real world. The spirit-empowered ability to live out your faith in the real world. In every aspect of your lives. To be obedient. Proverbs 1.7 The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and destruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Now, don't ask me to explain this next verse, but Paul gives something very interesting in Ephesians chapter 3. And again, don't ask me to explain it. I'm just going to read it. Through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we've had boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Through the church, God's wisdom is on display for a watching world. Now that could scare you half to death when you think about it. How we live our lives as a church, how we live our lives as Christians, how we live our lives as families, we're putting on display in some mysterious way. Don't ask me to explain it. We're putting on display the wisdom of God to a watching world. So let me just ask you a question. We may not fully understand all that. But let me just ask you a question. Are you living life in such a way that reflects godly wisdom that when people look at your life, they see spiritual maturity? They see obedience? They see a life that glorifies God? Or do they look at your life and they see chaos and they see disobedience and they see all these things that don't point to God? All right, number two, what's the second aspect of wisdom here? The outside world will see how powerfully near our God is to answer prayer. Verse 7, for what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God to us whenever we call upon Him? God is near. God is close. This does not mean God always answers our prayers the way we'd like God to answer our prayers. But God is near. God is close. You know, non-believers use the word prayer, don't they? 
Have you ever had a non-person ever refuse for you to pray for them? You go to a non-believer, I'll pray for you. Do they ever say, no, don't pray for me, I don't believe in God? Has anybody ever said that to you? Maybe. Most people believe in prayer. But Christians have something different. We don't fret. We don't worry. We don't stress. Because we know God is in control. When we pray, we know God's sovereign. Now, he may not answer the way we want him to answer, and it may not be in the timing we want it, but we do know that God is in control. Job 42.2, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. So when the outside world looks at your life and they look at you as a person of prayer, do they see a person that's nervous? Or do they see this calmness, this peace that passes understanding, this attractive stability because you trust in a sovereign God. And then lastly, the outside world will see that Christianity is the only consistent answer to what is right and wrong in the world. The only consistent answer to what's right and wrong in the world. Now look at verse 8. The, the nations will say, What great nation is there that has statutes and rules so righteous as all this law that I set before you today? So the nations are looking in Israel and saying, wow, that that great nation has some good rules, some good laws. There's no chaos in that nation. Things are equitable. Things are just. What set Israel apart from all the other nations around them? You may have to go back and and do a little bit of study on this, but the pagan nations around Israel, all those ites, the Canaanites, the, the Jebusites, the Ninevites, the Parasites, all the ites. Trying to make sure you're awake this morning. They did not have good laws like Israel had. They were chaotic. They were barbaric. One of the things about Israel's laws, if you go back to Leviticus and Deuteronomy and you start reading all those laws, you find out that God has justice. God has justice for the poor. God has justice for the orphan. God has justice for the foreigner. God has justice for the victim of crime. Israel had a system of biblical justice that functioned in a way that there would not be anarchy and barbarism and chaos and murder and mayhem. There was a structure to God's law. And you know what happened when Israel lived inside that structure? Things went well for Israel. When they went outside that structure, things went bad real fast. Just a side note. Our nation was built upon Judeo-Christian law. And when our nation functions under that, things go well. When our nation departs from that, as a friend of mine used to say, all Helsinki breaks loose. That's a city in Scandinavia, by the way. Not the place down there. Are you living in such a way that's consistent with Christian values. When a watching world looks at you, they, they're not confused. They understand what a biblical marriage looks like. They understand what a Christian worldview looks like. They understand what Christian integrity looks like. They look at your life, they're not, in, they're not confused. They, they don't see you saying one thing and doing another. They see you living within God's Word. They see you submitting to God's Word. The watching world sees, they may not agree with you, but they see the consistency of your life, that you're living under the rule of Christ. And so when you think about 2022, are you going to be a person that submits to the entirety of God's Word? 
Are you going to be a person who is humble and repentant and, and, and soft-hearted? Are you going to be a person that clings to Jesus as your only hope? Are you going to be a person whose, whose wisdom, whose, whose lifestyle is attractive and draws others to you because of your consistent, obedient Christian life? Will you be a hearer of God's word? Or will you be a doer? Will you have a soft heart? What's your, what's your commitment today? Do you have a predetermined commitment to obey God no matter what? Or do you have a heart that says, I don't think so, God. I'm not ready yet for that, God. Ask me in 2023, God. Let me kind of figure some things out, God. Or is your answer, yes, Lord, before he even asks you? It's yes, Lord, before he even asks you. Are you ready to start the year obeying Jesus wholeheartedly? We started the service with it. We're going to end the service with it. Psalm 95, 6-7. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. For He is our God, and we're the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts. You've heard His voice. Today is the day. Let us worship and bow down. Let's bow our heads together to confess that as we start this new year, there are so many distractions. There are so many things that vie for our attention. We may be plagued by health issues. We may be concerned about political issues, economic issues, family issues. We may have entered into this new year with uncertainty. With Maybe some have entered this year with fear. And Lord, we enter this year with so many things piled on our plates. And if there's just one thing we get out of today's message, Lord, maybe it's just that we need to cling to you. There's a lot of things we can cling to, Lord, but help us to cling to you. Help us to have soft hearts towards you. Help us to bow down before you. Lord, help us to make a commitment this day that whatever comes in 2022, we will hold fast to your word. Will we be obedient to your word? We will not budge on your word. Lord, help us to be a church that stands strong. Help us to be families, individuals. It's easy within these four walls to say things and be one thing, but Lord, when we get out into the real world, it's where the rubber meets the road. So Lord, give us strength. Give those that go back into hostile work environments strength. Maybe those are going back into hostile family environments. Give them strength. Lord, whatever we find ourselves this week, starting this new year, we need strength to cling to you as our only hope. Help us to have open hands that are ready to reach out and grab you, Lord Jesus, and to hold on tight. You're our only hope, Jesus. We cling to you. We love you. We honor you. May 2020, 2022 be a year of wholehearted obedience. 
as we listen and obey whatever you tell us to do. And it's in your name we pray, Jesus.